Support for On Something comes from the Rodman Law Group, a Denver-based law firm with a global reach. The Rodman Law Group specializes in cannabis, hemp, business, and securities law. Learn more at therodmanlawgroup.com. Support for On Something comes from Way to Grow, providing growers and gardeners with knowledge and tools for hydroponic and organic urban gardening since 2003. With locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Denver, and Colorado Springs, learn more at waytogrow.net. From Colorado Public Radio and PRX. This is On Something. All right, hands down, back in the day, the best cooking show ever was Iron Chef, right? Now, that might sound like a controversial opinion to some, but no other cooking show that I can think of has the same kind of drama. The time has come to once again answer life's most savory questions. If you've never seen the show, in the American version, it all starts with Alton Brown in Kitchen Stadium. And he stands at his big control center and introduces the battle to come. Here in Kitchen Stadium, well, (laughs) crying for your mama while getting your keister kicked by an iron chef? Completely prohibited. Let's get to business. You meet a contender chef who enters the Thunderdome to face off with a master chef like Masaharu Miyamoto or Bobby Flay. I want to battle Iron Chef Bobby Flay. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then the chairman, a.k.a. Mark DeCoscos, unveils the secret ingredient. Each episode, like it's a new Mortal Kombat fighter. Today's secret ingredient is... Flashing lights, fancy moves, like actual martial arts sound effects. And then... The reveal. Scallop! Mushroom! Yeah! Squash. Weed! <laughs> okay, okay. Obviously, that last one was me. No one ever cooked with weed on Iron Chef. Not all the way back then. But, in a true sign of the times, it is the main ingredient on the latest crop of cooking shows. There is a revolution taking the cooking world by storm. And it's all because of this star ingredient. Bring on the weed! For a growing number of Americans, cannabis is already synonymous with edible, a word that used to refer to regular old Betty Crocker box brownies that had that distinctive skunky aftertaste. But no more. Now, millions of Americans in legal states have access to weed-infused gummies, cookies, candies, chocolates, hot sauces, sodas, breath mints, etc., etc., etc. It's safe to say that even if you're not in a legal state, weed is firmly in the mainstream now. Case in point, the weed cooking show. And boy, are there a lot of them these days. Welcome to Bong Appetit Cook-Off. This is cooking on high. This is cooked with cannabis. Sweetie, you can't get up from the table till you've had your THC. So on today's show, not just eating your weed, but elevating it into a culinary art with a chef who knows a thing or two about it. (laughs) 
This is On Something, stories about life after legalization. I'm Anne-Marie Awad. Edibles are having a bit of a moment. An increasing number of legal weed consumers have been opting to eat their weed instead of smoke it or vape it. And maybe it's a gummy, maybe it's a chocolate bar or some kind of cookie. Okay, let's be honest. It's more than likely some kind of sugary treat. Edibles are fast becoming the preferred way for people to consume. And no longer are they the sole domain of people willing to risk stinking up their kitchens and, you know, alerting the neighbors. Now they're mass-produced and easily accessible for a big chunk of Americans living in legal states right now. But by the same token, so is weed. So one could argue it's never been a better time to experiment with making your own infused bites. I kind of went for like a grilled chicken. Uh, I'm going to do a smothered kind of version of that's very southern. This is Denver-based chef Harold Sims. And I can personally attest to the fact that this kitchen did not stink. And then the weed, the canvas, almost, <laughs> almost slipped into my old days. Uh, the cannabis that I have here uh, is Jack Frost. Recently, Harold cooked a meal for the On Something team at a local shop called Positive Vibes, where he sometimes does pop-up events. Super little bit of uh, cannabis if you're eyeballing it. And you always want to make a sure pinch. that you break this down. Yeah, this is a pinch at most. We're going to use this like a spice and a lot less like cannabis in the traditional way, right? For Harold, a chef who has easy access to legal weed, Cannabis is just another ingredient. I always knew that I wanted to cook, uh, which was weird because I never wanted to be a restaurant chef. But I wanted to learn how to cook, and I really wanted to be great at it. If the beginning of this episode had you thinking that I was some colossal nerd for the Food Network, Harold has me beat. Seriously, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of TV chefs and cooking shows that he started developing early on when he was a kid in North Carolina. I've always loved cooking shows. Like, I mean, it's one of those things that since I was watching cartoons and anime, it was like right alongside that. Like, Alton Brown is like, growing up, Good Eats was my jam. Although the word jerky is an anglicized version of the Peruvian word sharky. Mm -hmm. Like, just watching the way he interacted and then the older he got, like, he aged like wine, not cheese. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, he just, like, got a better suit, and yeah. he just got, like, more, like, salt and pepper. And, like, I got a little bit of, like, a gun More sharp crush. objects in oh, his yeah. shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I remember specifically watching Iron Chef when I was younger. My mom goes, she was like, if you could cook, if you could go against any Iron Chef, who would it be? And I was like, Bobby Flay. And she's like, whoa, really? She, she goes, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. She was like, <laughs> my, mom, my mom gets dead ass, and she was like, he is the most winning Iron Chef in the world. Are you crazy? And I was just like, go oh, word. She was like, do you think right? you have what it takes to go <laughs> against oh, so you Bobby, be Flay? Bobby Flay? All right, for sure, for sure. Okay. <laughs> All right, Bobby Flay or no Bobby Flay, Harold has been experimenting in the kitchen for as long as he can remember. His passion for food and for cooking actually always seemed to surprise his mom. I remember in high school, it was me and my friend Trey and Donald, and we were standing in the kitchen, um, and we were all like, you know, we were working our ways. So we were all wearing our do rags, and you know, I had like, you know, saying the long white tees back then. That was the style. Um, and my mom came in the kitchen, and we were like whipping in the kitchen. She was like, "What the hell are you doing?" We were making eclairs, and it was just like one of those things that I remember being like, 
yeah, like we define stereotypes right now. <laughs> it's like, it's like young, three young black men in the kitchen making French pastries right now. That's what's good. And it just got to that point where I was in college and my grandmother got me a good housekeeping cookbook for Christmas. And it was thick, <laughs> nice. like 400 pages. And I remember just going through that cookbook for the next two years. I remember just being like the captain of the track team and also just like like the world's best housewife. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I was just like, and I only say, I say that like endearingly because I was making crazy muffins. Like Team mom. Right. Let's eat together as a family, right. everyone. <laughs> We're going to have this apple glazed chicken over beautiful coleslaw. I'm like they're like, what the hell is going on? When Harold was a senior in college, he had the option to keep running track, maybe even eventually try out for the Olympics. But he didn't really aspire to be a career runner. In fact, what he liked the most about being on track was just being on a team. And so in 2010, he enlisted in the Army. I just kind of went into the Army and I was like, had this visualization in my head about like saving lives and being this like, badass medic who's like running through bullets and you know ducking under wire and pulling people out the job didn't really live up to his expectations honestly was just looking at a lot of penises like that was that was <laughs> that was that was all it really was like i want to glorify it but that was all it was <laughs> not what i was expecting at all in 2014 harold got out of the army and moved to denver to enroll in culinary school he was new to colorado and as a matter of fact so was legal weed. The first recreational sales began that year. I am a frequent user um, of cannabis. I, when I first got out of the Army, I had a few knee surgeries, so I was taking a lot of opioids. Um, and then when I stopped, I just never went back to refill it. Uh, and so I needed something to kind of replace that because I was waking up in the middle of the night with, like, my knee was throbbing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and the way I chose to replace that was cannabis. So can you kind of pinpoint for me, like, where is the moment where cannabis and cooking started to overlap for you? Um, so I was in culinary school and I started experimenting a lot with growing both food and cannabis. And what I started, like, really getting into was infusing my coffee. So what I started doing was instead, like, in the morning for my boost, I would just kind of have, like, a sativa oil and I would mix in my coffee. And it got to the point where I was like, oh, wow, like, this is actually pretty useful so at first I like go in, you know, and I'm just adding it to everything. I just have like a squirter. I'm just like putting it and it's like everything tastes like cannabis and people are like, the hell are you doing? I'm like, oh, leave me alone. He decided to take a step back and started trying to infuse weed directly into food. This took a lot of experimenting with different quantities and different flavors. And he says his first few attempts tasted awful. But then I finally started microdosing and getting down to like the two to three milligram range. And now it's just a point where it's like, cool, we can roll with that. OK, you know, like a nice sunny day kind of feel. After finishing up culinary school, Harold started his own personal chef business called Harold for Hire. He chefs for private parties. He does pop up events and even teaches classes. And a few years ago, a client approached him about making cannabis-infused food. One of my clients was really interested in, like, just an infusion workshop, essentially. Uh, they wanted to know how to kind of break everything down, how are you going to measure things out. Um, 
which I'm great at numbers, but I needed like a calculator in front of me. So like, don't test me on that. <laughs> um, so I have a very Alton Brown approach to food. No, know? I imagine you taking out like, like a chemistry set. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm one of those dudes who's just kind of like, all right, like here's a whiteboard and like, let's get down with this. And like, all right. And like, they're just kind of like, all right, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> um, and I'm like, ah, it is one of us. I like it. So I honestly feel like Harold is sort of downplaying this a little bit. When he and I first spoke on the phone and I asked him, how did you start learning how to cook with weed? He started citing a research paper back to me. He says when he was able to see it all as a big math problem, it all just clicked. He started getting more requests for infused food, but not enough to make it his main line of work. Not like, say, pop-ups, where he essentially sets up a small, temporary restaurant, usually at another local business. Most of my business was based in pop-ups mm-hmm. and kind of like personal chefing, going to people's houses and events and parties, stuff like that. I did on the side just kind of like do a few infusion classes, but it wasn't really in demand because I don't really think that people knew what they were asking for or yeah. what they were looking for or that there was any alternative. Because I think that even though edibles and infusions have been around for a long time since cannabis has, uh, people are still in the mindset of, like you said, sweets, brownies, candies yeah. and and that's fine, but people are also forgetting that you're infusing into butter, which it's just butter. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything with it. Um, but then I think it begs the question of if you can't do anything, should you? you know I mean, I don't think people like her just kind of <laughs> like, It's not a question right. of if we can, right. if we should. Right. Speaking of can or should, now would be a good time to go over the basics of eating cannabis. Now, I'm not going to tell you not to try this at home, but if you are going to try this at home, Harold is here to help. First off, the biggest difference between inhaling weed and eating it is the time it takes to affect you. Inhaling it means you'll probably feel the effects in a few minutes. When you eat it, however, the time it takes for you to feel it depends a lot on your metabolism and a bunch of other factors. The adage, start low and go slow, applies here. Try a little and wait a while before trying more. And if you want an easy way to get started, Harold recommends infusing olive oil. You have to start by activating your weed, a process called decarbing. Which is putting it into the oven on a low heat, right around like 250. Do that for 20 minutes to activate the THC. And then let it sit in oil, well, I would say overnight. That infused oil can be carefully dosed into other foods. This is a low effort, easy way to get started, especially if you just want to try it out. But if it all still sounds daunting, legal weed is here to save the day. In many regulated markets, you can walk into a dispensary and buy cannabis-infused olive oil, along with infused honey, hot sauce, even a flavorless powder that can be mixed in with anything, like Benefiber, but with weed. And if you're not even into cooking, that's okay too. If you've ever watched Barefoot Contessa, you know, store-bought is fine. Buying edibles versus making edibles. Pick one. Buying. Really? Oh, that wasn't the answer I was expecting yeah. at all. Yeah. It's just because I eat them so rarely. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, so it's, it plus the, like, it's usually when somebody's like coming around, like, I like to, I like to do a little, like, a spread. Yeah. And so I'll just do like a bunch of like random edibles and just kind of be like, oh, we also got some non-infused stuff. 
but making it myself is just yeah. it's work just like like people like okay so like you must cook like really good by yourself like you have no yeah i, like, I buy <laughs> loaves of bread and pb and j like it's just like constantly like i'll eat like i'll make two pb and j's and just pour like almond milk and just sit on the couch and watch cartoons for like i was like we're good yeah and i'm not touching a stove today like i'm not yeah. turning anything on like you know like I order food out like nah it's i do not make fancy and when i do make fancy food i'll like eat like a few bites of it because it'll take me so long to finally make it now. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like I'm tired. Now sounds like a good time to run and grab a snack. After a quick break, how Harold's experience with infused cooking gets put to the test. And the winner is. Hey, it's Anne. I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Listeners like you make On Something possible. Hundreds of thousands of people have listened to our podcast since it launched back in 2019. You've been there with us while we've explored everything from CBD to cooking with cannabis to social equity across the entire industry. It is really humbling and I am so grateful. The reporting, the stories told, and the issues explored, you made all of that possible. And if you feel like helping our show, head to onsomething.org and contribute if you can. Once again, thank you so much. A year ago, Harold got an amazing opportunity. An opportunity to walk in the footsteps of some of his cooking idols. So how did you end up on Cooked with Cannabis? Somehow... Uh, they magically just reached into the internet and pulled out my phone number and they, they gave me a call and uh, through a little bit of, you know, casting process and we were kind of talking back and forth, I got on the show. The Netflix cooking competition show Cooked with Cannabis premiered, of course, on April 20th of this year. Each episode, three new contestants had to cook a three-course cannabis-infused meal for the judges. Singer-slash-chef Khalees and cannabis cook Leather Stores. Let's get it <laughs> Oh, and a table full of increasingly stoned celebrities. Yeah, we're Lucy Gooseys here. Just Lucy Gooseys. Lucy Gooseys. And at the end of each episode, the winner got the grand prize. 10,000 smackers. The show is a lot like Chopped, but imagine each contestant's basket is just like full of weed. Oh, the world. Incredible. Natural wonders, cultural diversity, extraordinary food. Don't forget extraordinary weed. (laughs) This is our Global Eats episode. Welcome to Cooked with Cannabis. Okay, how about if we sing for this one, Weed Are the World? We are not going to do that. On this Global Eats episode, Harold was representing African food. And when he was given a chance to cook on television for all the world to see, he went in with a very clear goal in mind. My hope is to showcase Michelin star quality African cuisine paired with premium cannabis. Are you guys psyched? I'm so excited. If the dining world were the Olympics, Michelin stars would be the medals. The more you have, the more distinguished you are. And for Harold, making African cuisine at a Michelin level was about more than just giving the judges good food. I remember looking at a list of like all the Michelin star holders and all the restaurants, and I remember all these Michelin stars in the world, and only a single star was in Africa. 
You know? Really? Yeah. And so it was one of those things that I was like, that how how is that possible? How is this the oldest continent? How is our food so ancient? And, and we have had kings, like the richest empire on earth. There has to be something coming out of this. And so once I started really studying that and realizing that not only were we underrepresented in the Michelin community, we were underrepresented uh, in the world at large, like I said, we, you know, we can't, I can count on one hand how many African restaurants I know in the U.S., you know, that are like of note, you know, they've been publicized and have like really phenomenal chefs. Uh, and that's just a problem to me. My job is to show people a cuisine from my country with my skin color, with my people. All of these things are vastly underrepresented. And now I get to showcase a cuisine that's not often seen. To me, uh, that's beautiful. Is there a few citrus rinds that I soaked in a little bit of Can you own? lay out the meal that you made? Uh, yes. Yeah, so the first course was a surf and turf, which I did a black barbecue sauce. And then I had uh, octopus and ribeye with that. And I did a kind of homage to a Sudan. So I did uh, kumquats, Fresno chilies, and cucumbers were pickled together. And I put those on top. You know, I, I always like to learn with delicious food Thank you. about geography and about people. And you, you've done that right here. This Thank is, you. That's our theme. It's, it's Thank wonderful. You. Thank you so much, chefs. And then the second dish I did lamb and I did a seasoned rice, cream collard greens, and a few different sauces. One was called a jug, which was a Yemen green kind of a cilantro and pepper sauce kind of thing. The judges really liked that one. As you steal the lamb, I nothing, see nothing, you nothing. The I'm lamb. not stealing he's the lamb. I would never do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I think hey, he's gonna. I, he's, he is. He's taking he's the not lamb. Not taking the lamb. <laughs> there was Harold, cooking on camera, like he'd been doing it all his life. No joke. There's even this great moment in the episode where his competitors, the two other chefs are wondering out loud how they're ever going to beat him. I'm sorry, but that chop is like the only thing that's going to win it. Yeah, I think it was good. During the dessert part, I really felt like you went on the show with the goal in mind to like use this platform to teach people about African culture. Right. So Harold, what do we have? So all cultures have their own myths and legends. What I decided to do is there's a bird in Africa called the Mbutulu bird, right? It's the lightning bird in English. If you can catch its egg, it has medicinal properties and grants you immortality. These won't do that, but they will get you hot. So <laughs> medicinal properties are medicinal properties, right? So what we have here is a little creme anglaise, milk tart style. And I have a little bit of passion fruit curd in there. I use a mix of heavy cream and coconut milk infused with THC. That's going to be about three milligrams. And the egg is acting as a pat of shoe is going to be the egg for you. And here's the thing. Harold is a trained at a culinary school kind of chef. But his education in African food was something of an extracurricular activity. In class, the focus was mostly on French and European food. And if you wanted to learn about anything else outside of that, you had to take one class that tried to cover everything else all in one semester. I think it's 10 days at a time you'll, like, do Vietnamese cooking or you'll do, like, you know, Thai or whatever. And so we were lightly introduced like Ethiopian, but I think that's like a cuisine that that's all that people know. It's yeah. like Ethiopian cuisine when they think African. Yeah. And it's one of those things that people go like, I want African food. And it's the same way as like saying, I want Asian food. Mm-hmm. And like be like, that's not helping anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you want Punjabi? Are we going for like Szechuan? Are we going for... Right. And so it was one of those things where after culinary school, I saw how broad and diverse food could be. So he did his own research into the different cuisines of Africa. And right away, he started to make connections to familiar food, low country food, the type of stuff he grew up eating in North Carolina. 
Think collard greens, beans, okra, that kind of stuff. He learned that those foods trace their roots all the way back to Africa because they were brought here by enslaved people. He dug even deeper, taking a DNA test to find out more about his family's lineage. You know, they showed how much of our family is from the Mali Empire and from Cameroon and Congo. It was just one of those things that allowed me to go a little bit deeper. It gave me, like, permission. You yeah. know, it allowed me to feel that it was okay and I wasn't faking because I wasn't actually from Africa. You know, I was from North Carolina. Right. And that was, like, a big fear of mine. You know, even being, because being black is like you don't get the benefit of any, either nation. So you don't get the benefit of Africa or America. Yeah. Like, you're not quite either and that was always something that really bothered me. So I had to find my way to be like, give myself permission to be black, essentially. You know, and that was the way to do it was like, OK, well, I cook African food. Like, how black can you be? And in the end, it paid off. Only one of you will walk away with this $10,000. That chef not only gave us a global meal to remember, but they also impressed us with their masterful use of cannabis. And the winner is... Harold. <laughs> Congratulations, Harold. And then you heard from a lot of people who are from Africa afterwards. Right. How does that feel? That was incredible for me because this is like, obviously they couldn't taste it, mm-hmm. but they know like the names, they know the vernacular, they know what it's supposed to look like. So when I say that this is what I'm making and it's translated onto this plate and they go, okay, that's dope. It, it's it's incredible. Like it was it was so validating for me to finally get that you don't have to guess whether or not they they respect your food or they thought that that was cool like they're letting you know with this outpour of like support that they do respect your food i mean it's like to this day like still people be like saw you on netflix we finally found you like congratulations that was dope and it's so empowering to know that people are just kind of like yeah man like really proud of you like that represented us well i loved it After winning on Cooked with Cannabis and taking home the $10,000 prize, Harold is taking a minute to think through what comes next. His next endeavor might take the shape of a food truck or a walk-up window. Time will only tell. Maybe it won't look anything like that. He has this one idea to offer a wilderness cooking experience using his training as an army medic. People could sign up to learn how to forage for ingredients and cook with him out on an open fire. In the meantime, he still does private chef gigs and pop-ups. And to adapt to the pandemic, he recently started offering prepared meals for pickup in Denver sometimes. And though his next move is still to be determined, I can tell you from experience that this guy knows how to make amazing food. And so then I have my immersion blender here. That sound. Since we're both such Food Network nerds, I asked Harold for a little favor. I wanted my chance to hover over the shoulder of one of those famous TV chefs. And Harold was more than happy to oblige. We didn't drop in on his kitchen at home, no. He invited us to a shop called Positive Vibes just outside of Denver, where he's hosted many pop-up events in the past. He wanted to invite us there because he felt like this place was part of his story. 
So we met at the shop, all of us in our masks, and Harold was already there, set up with a hot plate at one counter. Behind him in the display cases were these elaborate pieces of glass art, and I found a spot to stand near the claw machine while Harold worked his magic. Guys, that smells great. I love, I love having somebody I can make food down with jokes <laughs> So this is my uh, red pepper sumac chicken with greens and corn rice. Da 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 da. I am deeply sorry that we don't have the technology for scented podcasts. Because, wow. This meal smelled amazing. It was nutty, it was citrusy, just a bit of sweetness from the roasted red peppers. It was the perfect morsel. And if I didn't already know there was weed in it, I wouldn't have believed it. It was like he used it as a seasoning. It just went with everything else. Shows like Cooked with Cannabis use the weed as just a gimmick. It's a way to showcase the food while the judges get more and more stoned and provide all the comic relief. But for Harold, the gimmick gave him a platform to turn people on to the flavors and histories of Africa in a meaningful way. With the African food, I think that a lot of people were really surprised because that was the first time that African food has been put in that context. And it's the first time in a long time that African food has been presented on TV in a competition setting where it actually could hold its own. And who knows? Maybe we'll see Harold get an even bigger platform to spread the word about African cuisine. Maybe the Food Network. You be the judge of whether he could take on Bobby Flay someday. That's it. Let's, let's Come on, Bobby. Come at me, man. If you see this randomly, come get me. If you show up, <laughs> if you show up man, I'm going to keep the same energy. But uh, just know I'm ready for you, B. I'm ready. Now, we may not have smell-o-vision, but we do have a YouTube video of our little Food Network moment with Harold. It's called Harold for Hire. That's hire, as in the more of his meal you eat, the higher you'll get. The video is also on our Twitter and our Instagram, at OnSomethingPod. Check it out and share. On Something is a labor of love, reported and written by me, Anne-Marie Awad. It's a production of Colorado Public Radio's Audio Innovation Studio and CPR News. The show is produced by Rebecca Romberg. Our editor is Dennis Funk. Music by Brad Turner and Daniel Mesher. Our executive producers are Kevin Dale and Brad Turner. On Something is made possible by lots of talented people like Rachel Estabrook, Demi Harvey, Kim Wynn, Corey Jones, Hart Van Denberg, Allison Borden, Matt Hers and Jody Gersh. And our illustrator is Iris Gottlieb. See more of their art on Instagram at Iris Gottlieb. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This podcast is also made possible by Colorado Public Radio members. Learn about supporting Colorado Public Radio at CPR.org. 
So like I have this thing is like you don't necessarily have to be good at something, but you have to be louder than the other person who's better than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like if there was any ever a question where somebody's like, ah oh, man, I don't know if Harold should win. I'm like, I should. And they're like, oh, he said he should, man. He said it louder than you did. Support for On Something comes from the Rodman Law Group, a Denver-based law firm with a global reach. The Rodman Law Group specializes in cannabis, hemp, business, and securities law. Learn more at therodmanlawgroup.com. Support for On Something comes from Way to Grow, providing growers and gardeners with knowledge and tools for hydroponic and organic urban gardening since 2003. With locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Denver, and Colorado Springs, learn more at waytogrow.net.